last week on the Sonic Truth Dynasty podcast, as well as some older stuff that obliterated Nate or was a little bit naughty. Wake the fuck up! It's not week one. Looking at me, I'm looking at you! I've seen these take-locked rankings with Nikhil Harry still stuck above Terry McLaurin as if the 2019 season hasn't happened! And Derrick Henry was there with Corey Davis! Wasn't Delaney Walker there? Adam Humphreys was there in the slot! No! He's an injury away from being an injury away, Nate. Oh, baby. And 16 days on the open season, I, I started laughing. The absurdity of it just, it, it just struck me as hilarious. I started laughing, and I turned around, and my daughter was just staring at me, like, insulted. She's like, how dare you laugh at someone who takes this planet's health seriously? This is a lot more important to me I have a lot more years left to live here than you do, old man. <laughs> and I was quiet the entire ride, just sitting there completely and utterly owned. And you are going to die on the top of Brian Hill. Brian Hill is actually a volcano, and you're a citizen of Pompeii. And Joe Burrow, bro. Oh, God. And you just have to eat that, Nate. You have to eat it. Just eat it up. <sighs> You're at your absolute worst when you flip this switch. You just have to eat it. You have to eat all of it. You just have to eat it. I'm not going to eat it. And and I'm trying to speak in the exact same tone and cadence as my father. Yeah, I'm just not sure how it correlates. Uh, whatever we need to do for the team is what we're going to do. And uh, football is my thing. And I just want to be with my dad. <laughs> Because he's like Pinocchio. He's like a puppet. I'm a real boy. Jerry, I want to be a real boy. That guy's a moron, man. I, I struggle to listen even that one minute. Every NFL general manager is a moron. And I know you guys want me to call him Dick Whalen. I won't. I refuse to call him Dick Whalen. He liked Ronald Jones. He liked him better than Nick Chubb and Darius Geis and Saquon. <laughs> I can't. Damn it. And. Once it makes it on the show sheet, you know we'll eventually hit it. It's inevitable. It's like gravity. You know it, right? You know once it's on the show sheet, it's happening. I don't know where you're going with this one. Now I'm curious. I actually took the time to outline my thoughts on the show sheet so I could be super polished when the mics come on. My mouse just died on me. Hold on. Are you fucking kidding me? If you did any prep whatsoever, looked at the rankings once, checked the show sheet once, listened to the clip of Marshawn Lynch talking to John Wertheim once, you would know all these things! What? Me? And Was that Kirsten Dunst's dream a wet dream? <laughs> no, it wasn't a wet dream. Thank you very much. I have had a wet dream once. When I was 15, I woke up and I was having sex with my pillow. This fucking show has no boundaries. And the enthusiasm was frothy. Was I relating that to something sexual? Todd Haley and his wife don't believe in wearing clothes at all. It's the best way to go out on a sweatpant boner. And is this the time when you think people start masturbating to the show?
What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Sonic Truth Dynasty Podcast. I'm your host, Nate Liss. You can find me on Twitter at an outraged Jew. And with me tonight and all nights is Mr. Matt Kelly. You can find him on Twitter at fantasy underscore mansion. Matt, what is up? Nate Liss, you are speaking with the best balderdash player in the Kelly family household, which includes my wife and her father and her sister and my daughter. I am the best balderdash player, and it's not even close. I've been busy wiping the floor with these fools in my family who cannot even hope to compete with the balderdash skills of the podfather, just an utterly dominant performance. Close it out, and I won on a historical figure. It was like Clarence Burkhead. I was so tempted to say... The most underrated running back in New England Patriots history. <laughs> I so wanted to say that, but I, I had to win. I had to focus. So the answer was like the guy who invented the paperclip or something. Have you played Balderdash before? I've played it once in the past, but no, not enough to compete with you. First Mansion Lifestyle Hack of 2020. Go get yourself the Balderdash board game. It's the best board game on planet Earth. Because the worst part about board games is having to learn all the rules and having to explain the rules. You don't waste any time with the rules with Balderdash. It's incredibly simple. You pull cards, and you have to make up answers that you think others will guess. So you go around the table trying to guess the right answer, but oftentimes you guess the wrong answer, and it's an answer that was written by your competitor. That's it. That's the game. And so often, my competitors pick answers given by the pod father and so often i pick the right answer so i'm the one guy saying hey that's the guy that invented the paperclip meanwhile everyone else is saying that was the first american soldier killed in world war one that was the answer i submitted and they all picked it i picked the right one but that was just one example of how i crushed the field at balderdash i mean obviously it was the guy that invented the paperclip obviously come on first american soldier killed in world war one please Please, please, please. There's a game similar to that. Uh, there's some that are based on the cell phone. You log on through an app on like an Xbox or whatever you have. I don't want to use an app. I don't want to use technology. I don't want to use a TV or Xbox. I don't have to connect to the internet. Whoa, 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 whoa. It's great though because it's a similar game. You get a word. You draw as close as you can on your phone with your finger, what the word is or what this thing is. It could be the cookie monster. Then everybody sees the picture of it and they write their own fake answer. And you try to get, you know, everybody else guesses at that point. It's similar, but it's trying to confuse people and you draw at the same time. There's some fun games out there similar to Balderdash. What is the name of that game? Uh, I'd have to look it up. It's it's in. Oh, come on. Come on. I don't know off the top of my head. I don't know. Your first opportunity to provide this audience with actionable information in 2020, and you airball. You airball. I was open to it. I challenged you at first. I said, no, 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 technology. No, 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 no. And then, oh, you piqued my interest because you draw, and then you just show everybody what you drew on the screen, and then they guess. And it's kind of this hybrid technology board game mm -hmm. with the drawing. Mm -hmm. I love the drawing games. Not as much as Balderdash, but I like the drawing games as well. So you had me. It was a merger of Pictionary and Balderdash. You had me intrigued, and then you didn't know the name of the goddamn game. So none of our listeners can go out and download it and play with their family. Thanks, Nate.
Sorry, guys. <laughs> God, I'm so sorry. Just not helpful. Since you're not going to help the audience improve their lives in any way whatsoever, allow me to deliver a trio of mansion lifestyle hacks to kick off 2020 on the Sonic Truth Dynasty podcast. That's the complaint we get over and over and over again. We miss the mansion lifestyle advice. We miss the hacks. Teach us, Podfather. Tell us how to live better. When you have family over, play Balderdash. And then when you wake up in the morning, cook bacon on the grill. Mm. Have you ever made bacon on the grill before? I haven't. Right on the grates? No. There we go. It's not quite that straightforward because if you just lay the bacon on the grates, you're going to burn the bacon very quickly. It doesn't hold up on the grates. What you have to do is you you make a little boat where you turn up the edges of tinfoil. So you cook it on tinfoil first, and then when it's almost done, you sear it for 30 seconds on each side on the grates. And that helps to further dry it out and evaporate the grease. So most people, when you ask them, would you prefer crispy bacon or the limp greasy bacon? They say, oh, give me crispy bacon. But crispy bacon's not that easy. It's not that easy to make crispy bacon without burning the bacon. It's a very delicate fine-grained process to thread that needle but it's easiest on the grill and it's packed with flavor and that bacon is oh so crispy and it's crispy yet juicy at the same time but you'd be very careful 30 seconds at most on those grates you can go 15 20 seconds just get a little on the grates on the other side take them off quickly you don't want to burn the bacon you don't want black char on the bacon you just want a nice Crispy yet juicy bacon on the grill. I mean, I will say the advantage would be you're not getting grease splatter all over your kitchen. That's one advantage. The second advantage is when you're making breakfast, you have so many moving parts. Our breakfast consists of a number of items. And a lot of them have to be cooked on the stove, whether it be pancakes, whether it be eggs, hash browns. You have a lot of people, mimosas. You have a lot of people with a lot of responsibilities in the kitchen to make a breakfast or a brunch. So just volunteer to make the bacon on the grill, and you can extradite yourself from that kitchen chaos. Take yourself out of the equation, Nate. Let someone else handle the skillet. You take responsibility for the bacon. You knock that bacon out of the park, Mm. and you also streamline the entire cooking process because there's less cooks in the kitchen, literally. Mm. Mm. You know, and bacon, it's just so good that uh, it it really will... It really will stand out. I've never had a piece of bacon I didn't enjoy. I don't like it in a frying pan. I don't like it. It's too greasy. I don't like all that grease, man. I mean, I'm not a fan of the grease, but don't you pat the bacon? Like, put it in paper towels? and You don't have to do that. That's the other beauty of it. You don't have to pat the bacon with paper towels either. There are so many benefits cooking bacon on the grill. I slapped my forehead, literally slapped my forehead the first time I did it, thinking, I can't believe I've been doing it the other way for so many years. Idiot. I also have a strong preference come dessert time with cookies. Are you a dessert person? Do you eat cookies? Or do you just stay away from carbs and sugar altogether? I I love myself a good cookie, Matt. This is not so much a lifestyle hack. This is just a preferential question. But it's an important question, and there is only one right answer. Oh, fuck. With chocolate chip cookies, Mm -hmm. do you prefer them soft or crispy? Dude, they have to be soft. Thank you. 
Thank you. Thank you. Yes. Thank yes. A crispy cookie is burnt. Even if it's not charred, it's overcooked, man. The people that like crispy cookies are the same people that like their steaks well done. Mm. They enjoy a more difficult eating experience with less flavor. Congratulations. Uh. I like chocolate chip cookies, slightly crisp on the outside, and then gooey in the middle. My cookie consistency, I like it similar to a pancake, and I like a nice crispy exterior on my pancake, mm. but then I mm. do like the juicy or gooey blueberries or chocolate chips or bananas, whatever you want to stuff your pancakes with. Who would want to eat a stiff, hard pancake? You would consider that overcooked, but cookies, oh, I want them crispy. Get the hell out of here. A crispy chocolate chip cookie would be a pretty big fail. It's so disappointing. That's a mistake. It's an error. It is an error. And perhaps you're unaware, but a married couple made a pretty egregious error on DraftKings recently. Oh. Last weekend. First weekend of the NFL playoffs, the Millie Maker winner is named Jade. Mm-hmm. Last seen on The Bachelor or Bachelorette or whatever. Mm-hmm. Did a great job on that show. Then did a great job in the first week of the NFL playoffs. So congratulations to Jade. The problem is the circumstantial evidence suggests that she didn't actually submit all of her lineups. She max entered, which is 100-plus lineups. So she played a lot on DraftKings, right? Mm-hmm. That's where she's deciding to spend her weekends and her tens of thousands of dollars max entering on DraftKings. <laughs> right, sure. That's typically where reality show contestants spend their weekends. As it turns out, the evidence strongly suggests that it was her husband that submitted the lineups. And, and TMZ Sports considers them cheaters, Nate. Have you been following the story? Uh, I saw this tweet on my timeline, but I haven't followed it that closely. Can I get you caught up? Yeah, catch me up, please. The contest guidelines at DraftKings insist that it's one contest, one player. That you can't circumvent the limits on the number of lineups you can enter by creating dummy accounts or playing on behalf of someone else. Does that make sense? Right. Yep. It's straightforward. And they circumvented that policy that DraftKings has. And it's not allegedly. They did. I'm telling you, as a matter of fact, they circumvented the policy. I've seen enough to say with definitive certainty they circumvented DraftKings policies. But you know who else circumvents policies? Who? Card counters. Mm. And card counters are heroes. There's a movie 21 made about card counting. Yay, we beat the casino at their own game. We are heroes. <laughs> the problem is these people not only are taking money from a sports book, and that's what DraftKings and FanDuel are. They're now sports books. But also from other players, other DFS grinders. That's the objection. Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. whoa. It's fine to cheat at blackjack. You're beating the house. It's fine to cheat at roulette. You're beating the house. You cheat at poker, you're taking money from other people at the table. You cheat at DFS, you're taking money from other people at the table. Oh, whoa. That's where we draw the line. That's where the community draws the line. That's why, have, that's why they're called community guidelines. You're Judas. 
if you take down the pool. My advice to the DFS grinders that are mad at Jade and whoever the hell her husband is, I don't care. I don't watch The Bachelor. I don't care. Get over yourself. Just get over yourself. They're card counters. They're advantage players. And the gamblers are no better than the pit bosses. If you're wading into this industry and you're saying, I'm going to become a professional gambler, I'm going to become a professional fantasy player, this is the business. You know every contest is not always fair. You know every time you sit down at the table, it's not always a fair deck that you're dealing with. That's the game, bro. Do you realize how many hardcore grinders play on multiple accounts? You think Jade's husband from The Bachelor is the first one to think, I'm going to play on multiple accounts. I'm going to set up a second account to circumvent these limits. <laughs> really? <laughs> Come on, man. This happens all the time because you see Dick3432 wins the Millie Maker. You think, well, who the hell is that? Never heard of that guy. That happens all the time. Sometimes it's a random guy who submitted 10 lineups. Sometimes it's a shadow account. But this was a girl who was on TV, who had never played in a DFS contest until her first time when she max entered the Millie Maker. <laughs> right? So it was just overly suspicious. She entered 100 lineups with constructions that mirrored her husband's. It was just, come on. It was comical how obvious in retrospect the scheme was. I mean, she did it. I'm sure of it. I'm sure that she did it, as I'm sure Jeffrey Epstein didn't kill himself. Oh, no, 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 no. Too soon, Matt. Not here. But if it were her husband that won instead of her, we wouldn't be here. No one would even know that they perpetrated this scheme. If someone ever stumbled upon her account, they said, oh, thanks for playing, Jade. We'll take your money. It just so happened to be her account that won instead of his account. That's how this was exposed. If it had been reversed, their scheme, which is used by many, it would not have been exposed to the sunlight. And one of the reasons why it was exposed is because it's a girl who was on TV. It's going to happen again. But I guarantee when it does happen again, it won't get nearly the same press. Because it won't be some D-list bubblehead who wins. It'll be just another one of these douche-faced white guys with perpetually disappointed parents. <laughs> oh, God. My objection is the confirmation bias that led those DFS dorks down the road of exposing the scheme. We wouldn't be having this conversation if it were A, some anonymous white guy, or B, her husband. And the only person I feel bad for in this entire situation is Jade herself. Fuck the bachelor dude she's married to who used her personal information to circumvent DraftKings rules. So fuck him. And fuck all the wannabe Sherlock Holmes <laughs> DFS grinders. Oh my God. Jade has been disproportionately damaged by this, so her I feel bad for. And if I were a DFS grinder, I would have already moved on because this isn't that big of a deal. We know it happens all the time. It's going to continue to happen, and there's no way to police it. So just get over it and stop hating women. My bigger worry has always been that these contests are rigged internally, that there's insider trading. That already happened. That was a huge scandal a few years back, but it was DFS scandal number 11 out of 17 if you're counting at home. So it feels like forever ago that DraftKings employees were conspiring 
to win these contests. And that, that is a bigger concern because they have access, exclusive access to information that the people with a deep understanding of DFS could leverage. I don't know if that's happening or not, but I'm worried that that could be happening now. Are you worried about that, Nate? Is that the reason why you don't play DFS? Are you worried that ownership information, for example, that is no longer available to the public because DraftKings and FanDuel provide the bare minimum amount of transparency. And whenever you have a lack of transparency, you open up the possibility of internal abuse of information. Is that what you're worried about? I don't even think I can play in Washington. So that's why I don't play. Okay, Nate. Thanks. But I would be worried about that if I had the right to play. To me, that feels like the next scandal to drop. That Even though it's happened before, that is the next scandal on the horizon. If I had to guess, because employees at DraftKings and FanDuel, they not only have ownership data that's not available to the public, they know who's playing what lineups. They know who's playing what players. So they could, they could query their database, filtering for just the most successful DFS grinders and figure out who they're playing that week. Think about that. If somehow that information were being leveraged, if that information were somehow getting outside DraftKings and being used for personal gain, that would be more egregious than this bachelor debacle by a factor of a thousand in order of magnitude but it wouldn't make tmc sports so less people would actually care if and when it happens did you see this quote by kyle shanahan about debo samuel uh i did i think i saw it on your timeline so yes there's not as much man to man it's a lot more fast tempo there are huge zones with where the hashes are and it's very hard to get it a good route running or to get good at route running, especially when you have some of these guys that are very talented with the ball in their hands. Working on routes so much in college is kind of a waste of time. They're just going against zone. Just get them open in zone and have them run. It's almost like a fast break in basketball. When you get that guy, guys are sloppy against their routes, which Debo was since he didn't have much experience. Whoa, shots fired by Kyle Shanahan on Debo Samuel's route running. Mm. Did you hear that coming out? That Debo Samuel was a sloppy route runner? Um, I mean, I, I guess he didn't fall under the hyper-refined group, but I felt like he played on all three levels, which was a lot more than some guys could say. Kyle Shanahan is saying route running doesn't matter, and yet that is so often touted by the film grinders. That's one of the key traits listed by film grinders touting wide receiver prospects. It's route running precision and its strength at the catch point and an ability to beat press coverage if you can do those three things the film grinders will love you and kyle shanahan thinks that what they're doing doesn't fucking matter and i love it i guess the uh, i guess the question then would be how is it that dante pettis still stinks <laughs> i thought that didn't matter I think you're trying to go counterfactual on Dante Pettis, but you can't go counterfactual on this. Just because you're not good at route running doesn't mean you're good at the NFL level. Bad college route runners are necessarily good in the NFL. That's not what he's saying. I thought that Dante Pettis was supposed to be a good route runner, so that's what I'm saying. That's where I'm confused. I just don't understand. No, you shouldn't be confused at all. It's just not good. His ability to run clean routes in college is not a significant indicator of his ability to catch passes and gain yards before and after the catch and score touchdowns in the NFL. What Kyle Shanahan is saying is all those Dante Pettis route running videos that he himself watched. Mm. Remember, 
pound of the table for Dante Pettis. Don't forget. Eh, it didn't matter. But I love it. I love that he's come to Jesus on this. So thank you, Kyle Shanahan, for providing yet more evidence that the Sonic Truth podcast and the Breakout Finder specifically are focusing on the right details, that college dynamism matters. Mm-hmm. If you're playing in all phases at the college level, that's important. If you have great size-adjusted athleticism, that's important. It turns out that we've been focusing on the right details all along, and the film grinders have been shooting a bunch of red herrings in the air. It was not long ago, Nate, I will remind you, that Riley Ridley was a top-five wide receiver prospect in 2019. Then the combine happened, and he faded, and then the draft happened, and he faded more. But pre-combine, a lot of film grinders thought Riley Ridley was a top-five wide receiver prospect. Mm-hmm. That happened. Why? Route-running precision. But please, please, by all means, please continue to turn on your webcam and record yourself watching TV <laughs> and narrating back the action. Please, don't stop doing that. It's important. It matters, even though Kyle Shanahan disagrees. What do you think of this nickname I have for Marshawn Lynch? Least mode. You know, I like that least mode. It, it's not wrong. It's pretty accurate nowadays. Least mode, you get it? Yeah. It's the worst mode you could possibly get into. It's it's the least of the modes. Because he's not good, Nate. Because he's bad at football now. He's the least. Hence, least mode. I mean, we've yet to see Robert Turbin really play yet. So I think you could actually go a step below least mode. And I don't know what that is. Can we just have Travis Homer playing every down? Why can't we do that? He was a primary back at Miami. What's the problem? I don't see the problem. He got popped the other night. Ball popped out. I think that was his uh, come to Jesus moment. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's right. Pete Carroll never plays running backs that fumble often. Never. 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 If you're going to keep playing Chris Carson, who is a less explosive runner than Travis Homer, you better be playing Travis Homer, too. Because per Kyle Shanahan explosiveness like the explosiveness offered by Debo Samuel really matters. In fact, it matters more than most people think. That's what Kyle Shanahan was implying with his comments. But Travis Homer, 132.2, 94th percentile burst score, runs a sub 4.5. He's best comparable to Matt Breida. He was productive, not super productive, but productive enough, especially in his sophomore season at Miami, almost 1,000 yards. I like Travis Homer. And I think that he can be a Matt Breida level 15 touch per game running back in the NFL. And already we're seeing the Seattle Seahawks squander his abilities. It's a goddamn shame. They're good at doing that to people. Marshawn Lynch is the least mode. That's, that's without dispute. Why did he come back? Why couldn't he stay away? There was no other options for Seattle. They had not, they're on their next option, Travis Homer. Can I just take a moment to thank Dynasty Leaguers? I looked in my show history this afternoon, and I saw that last January, in order to fill the calendar month with content, instead of doing Mind of Mansion shows and Sonic Truth shows, I was doing DFS shows last January. And there's only four games. So breaking down the short slates in DFS to fill the content calendar is just miserable. And we are fortunate, Nate... 
that this ship, the Roto Underworld ship, which includes a player profile or a breakout finder, it is propelled by Dynasty League wind. You would agree. I, yeah, absolutely. I do agree. Dynasty Leaguers are the most obsessive, compulsive degenerates of all. The DFS grinders, they claim the D-Gen moniker, but I disagree. Dynasty Leaguers are the most compulsive, degenerate football fans. A day after the season concluded, a day after the season, I was receiving complaints that our Dynasty rankings were not up to date. Oh, my. And at first, I was angry. Leave me alone. I can't have a day off. A day. A day. The Monday after week 17 concludes, you can't give me that day. You have to ask me about the Dynasty rankings. Really? Really? For a moment, I felt that way. And then I realized, these are our people, Nate. They're the reason we're here. They're the reason why this is one of the biggest fantasy football shows on the internet. Not just Dynasty. Across the board. We're by far and away the biggest Dynasty show. That's not even a question. We're now one of the biggest fantasy shows, period. Because Dynasty League players love us. And we love them. And at first, I was thinking, take a breath. Go outside. Give me a day off. But no, 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 no. No. Please. Please. Insist that we update the rankings the day after. I jumped into action. It takes other Dynasty services weeks, months to update their Dynasty rankings after the season concludes. They have to go do a bunch of mock drafts. Then you wait and wait and wait and wait. Not so at playerprofiler.com forward slash player rankings. They are current. Mm. And they are the best. <laughs> oh my gosh. And while updating these rankings, these rankings demand exceptional attention to detail. Exceptional. We have to understand how many years these players have left in the NFL, but also on their current teams. We have to know, is Devontae Freeman going to be a Falcon next season? The answer is probably not. And similarly, is Damian Williams going to be a Chief? Probably. And those two players are a similar age, similar recent productivity. I believe they have similar dynasty profiles and similar lifetime values. But if you have to make a decision... When comparing Devontae Freeman versus Damian Williams, how would you decide, Nate, between those two running backs? It would come down to their contracts, their age, and the competition around them. I mean, and of course, that, that brings you to, do they look like a likely candidate to bring in you know, competition through the draft? Who would you rather have, Damian Williams or Devontae Freeman? Damian Williams. That's correct. Damian Williams is signed through 2020 as an inexpensive contract, but not so with Devontae Freeman. He is an out. The Falcons have an out this year. He's going to be, he is a, he is a cut, he is a strong cut candidate, and we have no idea where he's going to end up. I mean, Devontae Freeman could end up in Cleveland to replace Kareem Hunt. Freeman competing with Nick Chubb has a lower lifetime value than whoever Damian Williams will be competing with in 2020. You would agree? Sure. Yep. That's how far we dive into each player's profile. That's the level of detail that you expect. Because for so many years, we've gotten it right, man. We've gotten it right. Take Julio Jones. How do you factor in an upcoming cliff year? Because it's no secret. Julio Jones is going to be 31 years old. And wide receivers that look like Julio Jones, 
big, explosive. They play above the defense. Wide receivers that look like Andre Johnson, Demarius Thomas. Their production declines dramatically when they reach age 31. Now, sometimes their production is buoyed by huge volume, but you see significantly diminished efficiency by age 31. Either way, Julio Jones' play is going to decline in 2020. You agree? Yep. Anything else, Nate? We're doing a show where people expect us to talk and provide more than one-word answers. I felt like you were on a roll, Matt. Didn't want to interrupt you there, making a lot of great points. Uh, yeah, and you can even go back to a guy like Vincent Jackson, a player who at age 30, 31, Ooh. had a final couple decent years. And then you look at 32 and 33, injuries, lack of production. That, was a, that cliff was steep because the year before his production dropped off, he broke 1,000 yards receiving, had 140 targets, felt like it was going to go on forever. But there are very few Larry Fitzgeralds. There are a lot more... Vincent Jackson's, Andre Johnson's, eventually Julio Jones. And for that reason, I don't own him in any more leagues. And I sold him well before this point in his career. You can see it coming. You sold him because you saw this coming. Right. And though the production hadn't fallen off yet, when you play in a dynasty league, his perceived value due to age had devalued him. So he was no longer at peak value, even when he was playing at an elite level still. Rich Rebar calls this elevators and escalators. You want to get players like Chris Godwin, ideally the summer before they take that elevator to the top. And you want to sell players after they get on that escalator going down. The escalator going down takes longer than the elevator to the top. So you have multiple opportunities to unload that player on their way down. So there's no excuse. There's no excuse. There's no reason to beat yourself up if you miss on a Chris Godwin because you tried to trade for him, and your competitor was super woke, listens to the Sonic Truth podcast, subscribes to playerprofiler.com and the Breakout Finder, knows what he has in Chris Godwin. You tried to overpay for him. It was denied. You tried. Don't feel bad. But if you still have Julio Jones on your roster at this point right now, mm -hmm. January 12th, 2020, you're a sucker. <laughs> and I literally just put together an article, Matt, which you know some people have seen, some haven't. It's behind the paywall over on our Patreon account, but it was a, an off-season sales. Do you have to say paywall? I don't know what to tell you. When you say paywall, it prevents possible patrons from ever visiting. Don't say paywall. Just say, hey, it's on Patreon. We should just assume everybody is subscribed to our Patreon pages. It's on Patreon. There's no reason to talk about the paywall. Everybody that's listening should be a subscriber already. And if they're not, uh, and they're listening to the show on January 12th, 2020, then they should be ashamed of themselves. Oh, God. Don't talk about the paywall. The paywall doesn't exist to the listeners that actually give a shit about this show and your content. Fuck the paywall. Listen, pretend like the paywall's not there. This was a lengthy article. It's not there for anyone that understands the value of the information that we're providing. If you like cakes and pies, it would be like climbing a small wall into a field full of desserts. But the point that I'm trying to make, Matt, is that I go into these players like we're talking about, players that are 27, 28, that are starting to creep up towards this age apex. They're at the almost towards the end 
of the apex, which is 25 to 29. Typically the Devonte Parker's Devonte Adams, Odell Hopkins, Keenan Allen, all these guys that are in their age 27 year right now and start to look at what is the value of these 22 to 25 year olds that are breaking out. You know, the, uh, the Debo Samuels, obviously the, the Metcalfs, the Stefan Diggs is still younger than 26 and, and how we evaluate these players and why selling before the age apex is important to not only get peak value, but also, yes, you have to watch a season of good production on someone else's bench or, or starting roster, if you will. But so what? Julio Jones in 2019 was the perfect example of that. Yep. You just had to watch Julio Jones perform well, particularly in the fantasy playoffs, golf clap, and think, hey, good for him. Good for your league mate. That's what Julio Jones should be doing. But if you traded him before the season started, it was the right move. It's a good process play. I don't know what to do with Marlon Mack. I don't know what the right move is with Marlon Mack. When I look through the players on the player profiler dynasty rankings, we rank 340 dynasty assets on playerprofiler.com. The player that we had the most difficulty setting assumptions for in the years ahead is Marlon Mack. Do you understand why that was the case? I mean, just the the athleticism, the opportunity. There was nobody behind him. He's an enigma. He's an enigma because he's an athletic featured back who was a strong receiver at the college level who was not used in the passing game in 2019. He's susceptible to being supplanted by an early round running back draft pick in the 2020 draft. And He's susceptible to having his workload curtailed in 2020 regardless by Naheem Hines or whoever else the Colts draft or sign, even if they don't select a premium prospect in the 2020 draft, because he wasn't overly impressive this season, and this was his season. Marlon Mack had massive breakout potential this season, especially given he had one of the best run-blocking offensive lines in front of him, and... He disappointed. He failed to meet expectations. And it's always dangerous when a running back in his prime, who is relatively healthy for a full season, with quality run blocking in front of him, delivers the bare minimum. If it were for my life, I would not want to speculate on where Marlon Mack is going to be at the end of next season. I have no fucking idea. Are you buying or selling the enigma that is Marlon Mack? Well, of course, this is a dynasty show, and it's tough because he's got one year left on his contract. This is another problem. All of these uncertainties stack up on the Marlon Mack profile, and yet we still have him in our top 15 running backs. We have to. We have no choice. He has to be a top 15 running back, but I don't feel good about it. Of all the players, the uncertainty with Marlon Mack is high. I don't, and you know, Marlon Mack wasn't awful as a runner, but this is also a team that lost a ton of wide receivers down the stretch here. I mean, they lost Funchess early. They lost T.Y. Hilton. Paris Campbell didn't really manifest. You're on Pascal. Ashton Doolin wasn't really doing anything. There wasn't really anybody of consequence. Why did you say that? The undrafted Ashton Doolin, not going to give him a mulligan in his first year in the league without draft capital? Come on, man. I am not giving him. I never gave him a shot let alone a damn mulligan, Mr. Kelly. Come on, you're not going to hold an unproductive rookie year against the undrafted Ashton Doolin from Malone College. Oh, my goodness. Child, please. Oh, my gosh. Anyways, the point is, Matt, that there was a lot of reasons why 
it was tougher for Marlon Mack here down the stretch. There was nothing on the outside. But with that being said, that doesn't change the fact that Marlon Mack is never targeted in the pass game. 247 rush attempts and 17 targets. What? He had less targets than Robert Foster? <laughs> yes. How is that fucking possible? Oh. Marlon Mack was targeted less frequently than the stone worst wide receiver in the NFL. Oh. He was targeted less than Derrick Henry. That's inexplicable. Derrick Henry's the NFL rushing leader, though. That matters, right? Remember last year when I said that Derrick Henry could be a league winner even if he doesn't catch a lot of passes because he leads the league in rushing? Mm-hmm. Here we go. So what are, you, what are you asking me, Matt? You're starting a franchise today. I'm not asking you who you prefer in Dynasty. We know the answer is Leonard Fournette. Just go to the rankings. You see Leonard Fournette has more lifetime value than Derrick Henry. Yes. My question is this. You're starting a franchise today. Does GM Nate Liss want Leonard Fournette or do you want Derrick Henry? I think GM Nate Liss is still going to take Leonard Fournette. Really? Yeah, I, I'm going to take Leonard Fournette. Really? Really? Still t- yes, really. I'm t- are you going to ask me really again? I'm. No, you are. Really? Really? I'm still taking Leonard Fournette. There's a lot of reasons. And if I may, if I may, may I? Can I? Now, we have Leonard Fournette ranked significantly higher than Derrick Henry because our rankings assume a point-per-reception format. Leonard Fournette was top three in the NFL in running back targets. That's the reason. But in real football, I mean, Derrick Henry. Check us out. Okay, so do do we agree that year-to-year TDs are the most unpredictable stat? I mean, for the most part, they're very difficult to gauge. Yes. Okay. Often with players like a... Aaron Jones, for example, Mm -hmm. you pinpoint players with the highest TD rates and you put those players on the block. It's a very straightforward Dynasty League tactic. So just just for context purposes for the Fournette and Henry debate, I want to look at Alvin Kamara. Alvin Kamara last year, 18 rushing touchdowns, 18 total touchdowns. This year, only five on nearly the same amount of total touches. Perfectly illustrates the unpredictability of the touchdown scoring. He goes from 2018 to 2019 and loses nearly 100 fantasy points overall <gasps> between those two seasons. So I know I have uh, Alvin Kamara on multiple patron league teams. I mean, it, w- it was a letdown in a sense. The touchdowns were the difference. He lost a little bit of rushing. He lost a little bit of target share. But... Nonetheless, we still love Alvin Kamara. But the difference between Fournette and Henry this year... I don't think you love Alvin Kamara, do you? I do, but I just respect Leonard Fournette, I think, more than most people do. Can you make a resolution to pronounce his name correctly in 2020? Nope. So, Matt, the other part about this is going to be that the difference between Derrick Henry and Leonard Fournette over the course of this year was 35 total fantasy points. Now, listen. Derrick Henry scored 30 more touchdowns than Leonard Fournette and only outscored him by 35 points. He also carried the ball 50 times more. And as you alluded to, the difference was Leonard Fournette out-targeted him by 76 and had 58 more season-long receptions. And of course, those catches are tied to extra yards. So to me, Leonard Fournette in the much worse situation based on what he did this year was blew my mind. I thought he played beyond expectation. And I'm hearing rumblings on Twitter of people talking about how he's a cancer and he won't be in Jacksonville. And maybe that's true. 
but I'm not factoring that into this point of view right now. And I would take Leonard Fournette over Derrick Henry and his skill set. Put Leonard Fournette in Tennessee and watch what happens. He doesn't produce as much as Derrick Henry. Oh, my gosh. Put Tyler Higby. Is Tyler Higby a raging sell candidate? Tyler Higby is a raging sell candidate. Yes, he is. Because Tyler Higby from week 13 strung together four consecutive 100-yard performances. But, Matt, prior to week 13 of the 2019 NFL season, do you know when the last time Tyler Higby had a 100-yard game or how many games it had been since his last 100-yard game? College. Yes, he had never surpassed 100 receiving yards in 62 NFL games, including the playoffs. Does that include his time at Central Kentucky or wherever the fuck he went to school? <laughs> yeah, it might go all the way back to that. Look, during this this time period, Cooper Cup has seen his fourth, fifth, and sixth lowest targeted games of the year. He's been a non-factor outside of scoring a touchdown every game, which has been mind-blowing. Something's wrong with Cooper Cup. Uh, and Brandon Cooks has been a non-factor, right? Something's wrong with Brandon Cooks. Oh, correction. Tyler Higby went to Western Kentucky. It's all the same to me. Kentucky's all, it's just one big melting pot. And he runs a 4840. It's It's not good. But look, Gerald Everett, who was number three in targets on the team prior to injury, has been gone. And in that span of time, when he had these blow-up games, he faced Arizona twice, who was terrible, Seattle once, who was 29 against the pass, and Dallas, who people think is great, but have given up the third most receptions to tight ends on the year and the eighth most receiving yards. And then, of course, there's San Francisco in there, which he had a reasonably good game against. You know, Gerald Everett runs a 4-6-40, 88th percentile. Give me Gerald Everett. Gerald Everett is... A monster. He's one of the most athletic tight ends in the league. Sell Tyler Higby. Get your fortune for him. This th- this house of cards will crumble. You think someone's gonna pay you a fortune for Tyler Higby in a dynasty league? If you're playing in a in a in a tight end premium league, okay. I don't see why people aren't chasing. Right? You're not. People are chasing Tyler Higby. Right. In a tight end premium league, you can get a significant haul for Tyler Higby. Maybe a high second for him. Late first? I mean, I don't know what you get from there. Late first? I'm just shooting shots right now, Matt. I'm sorry. First round pick in 2020? Maybe a first rounder in 2021. That's what you call a heat check. You made two or three baskets in a row. You throw one more up just Would you trade Tyler Higby for a late 2021 pick? What do you mean late? Like how late? Would you trade Tyler Higby for the 110 in 2021? 100% right now without question. Smash accept. Late first rounder. A year and a half from now. You're cool with it. Yep. Absolutely. Because you hate Tyler Higby. Not that I hate Tyler Higby. I just think that this is kind of this is a false flag, man. I don't think that what we're seeing right now is 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 true production when this team is firing on all cylinders and playing the way that the other players in the in the roster and the lineup should be playing. I just think that this is false at this point and you're gonna see him come back down to earth. This is not gonna sustain. It's a mirage. You know we have ranked just a couple slots ahead of Tyler Higby on the dynasty rankings. Tell me Zach Ertz. Hmm. Zach Ertz is two and a half years older and was less productive than Tyler Higby in the second half of the season and has significant competition in the form of Dallas Goddard. Mm -hmm. And I am proud to announce that we were the first to rank Dallas Goddard ahead of Zach Ertz in dynasty because Mm. we focus on the right details. Is Zach Ertz a classic case of 
selling a player past the age apex heading down that escalator? It takes a big pair of balls to do that, Matt. And you and the gentleman over at Roto Underworld have the biggest pair on the internet. Um, I think that the difference with tight ends and the apex, I mean, you know, you see tight ends play a little bit longer at the position. I mean, Travis Kelsey's a bit older than Ertz by maybe two years, and he's still the tight end one. But I think that I would sell Ertz for the value, especially the fear of what happens next. I like Goddard a lot as well. And I think that if you can get a good haul for Zach Ertz, his name cachet and what he's done in the past, you take it. He's still under 30. I mean, Jason Witten came back this year at age 41 in a pair of dad jeans and was still playing. What's their value, man? What's the value of tight ends like Jason Witten? Their value over replacement just is not significant enough to move the needle. That's my fear with Zach Ertz moving forward, that he's just not going to move the needle. Unless you're in tight end premium, uh, there's there's a lot to be said about the idea of moving a guy like Zach Ertz. And I don't know how people feel about a player like Hunter Henry, but if you're trying to get out of Ertz, Hunter Henry's 25 years old. Oh, we have Hunter Henry well ahead of Zach Ertz. Hunter Henry's 25. Hunter Henry's entering his prime. You want Hunter Henry on your dynasty team. And I think there's people out there, though, that given his given his production, you know, that I mean, I know that he scored the number eight amount of points per game at the tight end position. But looking at his production over the year, there were some up and down games in there. Maybe there's somebody in your league that that values Zach Ertz and his target share more than they do Hunter Henry. And you can make a move that direction. Would you rather have Henry or Evan Ingram? I'd rather have Evan Ingram. We have Henry ahead of Evan Ingram. Henry's younger. Yeah. And. I think teed up to be more productive in 2020. I hate tight end talk. We're not going to talk about tight ends for the rest of the show and hopefully for the rest of the 2020 season. Nick Chubb. Oh. Epic flame out in week 16 and 17. Are you buying? Are you buying low on Nick Chubb? I think that he broke hearts two straight weeks at the end of the season. And the perception has changed on Nick Chubb. This debacle of a team that the Cleveland Browns have become, no one has been spared. Certainly, uh, Baker Mayfield, his lifetime value has been diminished. Odell Beckham fell further than almost any other player on our dynasty rankings, especially when you grade on a curve. Being inside the top 10 to falling significantly outside the top 10 is a is a significant drop. It's major. So no one was safe on this Browns team, including Nick Chubb. I think if you pulled the dynasty leaguer out of Buffalo Wild Wings and interviewed them on the street, and they ask them, hey, what do you think of Nick Chubb? Chances are they'll shrug their shoulders. Are you going to target Nick Chubb this offseason? I think I'd still be targeting Nick Chubb for sure, and especially if people are down on him. I mean, the difference between Nick Chubb and Derrick Henry, at least in this conversation, is the fact that Nick Chubb had 50 targets on the year, 49 to be exact, but caught 36 balls. Derrick Henry had a quality run-blocking offensive line in front of him, and Nick Chubb did not. Derrick Henry had an easier schedule than Nick Chubb. That's really the difference between those two players. And and the touchdowns, obviously, were significantly different. We have an offense that can't block anybody. You have a quarterback that can't sustain drives. You can't score touchdowns. I mean, and, and he has seven 100-yard games in 2019, so it's not like he underperformed. I, th- I think you're a big fan of Nick Chubb, just like I am. And if there's any chance the passing game role gets another uptick, you could see a guy pushing towards... 60 or 70 targets in season long, and he he nearly hit 1,500 rush yards this year. So um, I think he, is, he exceeded expectation, and if anybody's down on him, I'd absolutely be buying. Among the top running backs, the two strongest buys right now 
are Joe Mixon and Nick Chubb. You would agree? Totally. 100%. And Aaron Jones and Derrick Henry are sell candidates based on the likely touchdown regression they will experience in 2020. I, I once again agree. I think that the Aaron Jones thing is is one of the more shocking ones on the year. 19 total touchdowns. I mean, that was about as unpredictable as it gets. You know, so he has a he had nine. He's very Alvin Kamara. Yes. Like he's Alvin Kamara North. And don't be surprised when he posts Alvin Kamara's 2019 touchdown total this coming season. OK, finally, we can talk wide receivers. Thank God. Whew. Allen Robinson and Mike Evans are the same age. Mm-hmm. And Allen Robinson historically has been a more efficient wide receiver mm-hmm. on lower volume offenses with less accurate quarterbacks. It's hard to be less accurate than Jameis Winston, but Allen Robinson has found a way to tether himself to even less accurate quarterbacks than Mike Evans. It's almost a riddle. Mm-hmm. Allen Robinson is the solution to that riddle. In Dynasty, who you got? Allen Robinson or Mike Evans? I want to hit you with a fact for the fans of the show before I answer this question, because you even use the words on low volume offenses. People would be shocked to hear that over the course of five healthy seasons, Allen Robinson has three in which he has gone over 150 pass targets. Mike Evans has done that just once in his career. That's why we have metrics like target share to supplement raw targets and targets per game so he's he's being targeted despite what people may think on the surface when they look at these mike evans games where he has 16 targets but look at the last six weeks of Allen robinson's 2019 season absolutely absurd i mean he took off in terms of target share opportunity but like you said you know Allen robinson has always been the the more technically sound receiver and he's always been stuck in the worst quarterback situations he's more skilled in every area of football, he's just smaller. He's just 6'2 instead of 6'5. That's the advantage that Mike Evans have. He's 6'5. Great. Congratulations, you're 6'5. Allen Robinson's better by every other measure. And Allen Robinson has proved that he can play with, with terrible quarterback play. We've yet to see James we've we've yet to see Mike Evans play with a quarterback that wasn't willing to be risky. He's played with Ryan Fitzpatrick. He's played with Jameis Winston. Yeah, good luck playing with a quarterback that has to see throws before he makes them. I mean, good luck, Mike Evans. Right. If, if he had a more, a more conservative passer, a Mariota. Can you imagine Mike Evans with Jared Goff? Yeah, with Goff. Can you imagine? I don't know. No. Ask Sammy Watkins. Ask Brandon Cooks. We have Allen Robinson ranked ahead of Mike Evans in Dynasty. That's an uncommon position to take based on the assumption that the quarterback play and the pass volume for Allen Robinson and Mike Evans will converge in 2020 and beyond. I think it's a slam dunk. I think you have to have Allen Robinson ahead of Mike Evans. I think it's just a rational move. I agree. Speaking of Sammy Watkins Mm -hmm. in dynasty, who you got Sammy Watkins or wait for it. Mm hmm. Wait for it. <laughs> Still waiting. Devin Funches. Oh, boy. <laughs> uh, wow. This is a legitimate question based on where these players are ranked. I, yeah, I, I don't I don't think it is. What? I mean, I, I personally... You have Funches that much higher than Sammy Watkins? 
come on, man. Don't don't kid yourself. I've got Sammy Watkins much higher than Devin Funches. Here's the thing. It just has never come together for Watkins. We're same as Devin Funches. It hasn't really ever come together. Here's the thing. Yeah, he's never had quality offensive coordinators or quarterbacks throwing him the football, right? I mean, she's got Andy Reid and Sean McVay and Jared Goff and Patrick Mahomes. I mean, just a bunch of nobodies. Listen, man, I see what you're getting at here. He, he's just never had a healthy season and really strung it together. I mean, you can go back to his rookie year. That was his last healthy season. What was wrong with him this season? I, I'm just saying, well, he missed games this year, too. I mean, Watkins is never healthy. At this point, is that Watkins problem or bad luck? I mean, when you're this many seasons in, Watkins is the definition of injury prone. I mean, this is injury prone. Look at the numbers. I mean, this guy is hurt. Watkins is not a hard worker. That we know for sure. If you are perpetually injured in the NFL, this was Devontae Parker for many seasons. His diet was awful and his strength and conditioning program was non-existent and he was pulling a hamstring every other game. That's what happens. And he decided this season that he was going to work hard. He was going to focus. And then look what happens. Top 12 wide receiver in 2019. Congratulations to Devontae Parker. He turned it around. Sammy Watkins is just cashing those checks at this point. And he's going to be 27 years old, past the age apex. He secured his big contract. Devontae Parker secured his big contract extension. So now the question is, will Devontae Parker stay focused? Will his work ethic endure? I don't know. It's an open-ended question that drips with curiosity. Uh. And will be the driver of Devontae Parker's dynasty value in the months and years ahead. With Sammy Watkins, it's over. We know what he is. There's no uncertainty left with Sammy Watkins. He's a bust. That's it. And yet, and yet, we still have him ranked ahead of Devin Funches. Thank you. Thank you. Here's the thing. You can't give me two bad players and ask me which one I like more. Sure we can. It's a contrived dichotomy. We've been doing it on the show since its inception. Watkins is not a bust, though. What? What? Hear me out. That is the hottest take in the history of the Sonic Truth pod. That Sammy Watkins is not a bust? Okay, hold on. (laughs) In what world? Hold on. Okay, in terms of what his ceiling was. Yeah, my face is melting off. Well, listen. I need to put like a a bowl under my face to catch the skin. Yeah, get a bowl. Listen, hear me out for a second here. I he we're we're six years. We're we're six years in. To his NFL career. He's obviously not the player he was billed to be. That's gone. We're not talking about that. Uh, hello? The Define bust. But hold on. No, what I'm saying is, no, no, no. I, I agree. We know he's not going to be an elite wide receiver one. That's over. That just say he's a bust. He He's a bust in that sense. Just just say Sammy Watkins is a bust. Say it flatly. Sammy Watkins is a bust. No, no hold on. Be honest. You're being disingenuous. Shame on you. No, I'm not being disingenuous. I'm not. What I'm trying to tell you is, if you'd let me get a word in edgewise, for Christ's sakes, is that you'd be a fine wide receiver three, wide receiver four on any roster. Wide receiver four? I'm just saying, no, realistically, in the NFL, he's not getting any big contracts. Here's a question for you. If he stayed healthy... He got the biggest contract available to a wide receiver two years ago. Paid him more than the Bears paid Allen Robinson. And we spoke out against that contract. Not the value of the contract as much as the idea that you would pay Watkins more than Robinson. That was the objection. 
And sure enough, Sammy Watkins is now ranked outside the top 70 wide receivers on Player Profiler, and Allen Robinson is top 15. All I'm saying is, is if Watkins, Matt, today became the wide receiver two in Green Bay, once again, what would happen? All of a sudden, people would be like, oh, I want to own him. I want I want a piece of him. He'd be outproduced by Alan Lazard. We'll make a bet right now. Hope you're listening, Tim Torch. Tim Torch hasn't gotten primetime name drops since about two years ago. If Sammy Watkins goes to Green Bay this offseason and the Packers do not sign or draft another wide receiver of consequence, mm-hmm. I contend Alan Lazard will outproduce Sammy Watkins in fantasy football on a points-per-game basis. You're insane. You're insane. I'm not insane. I've been awake and living on planet Earth the last five years. <laughs> well, then you didn't see his rookie year. Here's the thing. That's the reason you're all you are the way you are. But he okay, in terms of fantasy, yes, he's a bust. But in terms of real NFL player, he's on that Ted Ginn thing at this point. He's just a serviceable additional player on a roster. He's going to continue to play in the league unless he washes out because of health completely. But he's he's a bust based on where he was drafted in the NFL and where people expected him to be in Dynasty. I agree. He is a bust. But in terms of actual NFL production, he's not a bust. He's doing a lot more than many other players ever have. We're six years in. He's probably going to play another two years, at least three years in the league. I don't think he's a bust in that sense. I'd rather have Tyrell Williams. That's fine. I don't disagree. I'm with you. The most enigmatic wide receiver on the Dynasty rankings is heading into his second year in the NFL, and it's Nikhil Harry. I think Marlon Mack being the most enigmatic running back is counterintuitive, but I think it's straightforward to say that Nikhil Harry is the most enigmatic wide receiver in Dynasty at this point. We don't know if he was healthy. We don't know if he's good. We don't know who his quarterback's going to be at this point. We know nothing about Nikhil Harry. Let's start with his quarterback will he be better off without tom brady in 2020 you know i was curious about that because we can just we we can just get it over with tom brady's not coming back he put his house on the market six months ago the team flamed out in the most catastrophic way imaginable at the end of the season losing to the dolphins before losing to the titans at home in the playoffs and he and bill belichick reportedly despise one another well i think belichick respects Tom Brady. I don't think Brady respects Belichick. And for those reasons, he will not be a Patriot this coming season. So let's just get that out of the way. Okay. Assuming Brady is not a Patriot, what does that do to Nikhil Harry's dynasty stock? It's got to increase it. It has to because Tom Brady was terrible this season. Tom Brady was an albatross around Nikhil Harry's neck as a rookie. Uh, You know, what if it's Phillip Rivers? What? Why don't the Patriots just trade Brady to the Chargers for Phillip Rivers? Why don't you assign and trade? How about that? Just swap quarterbacks, man. We do wife swap, you know, wife swap that show. By the way, there's a website where you can (laughs) swap houses with other families. So if you wanted to go visit Tokyo Mm -hmm. and you found a family in Tokyo that wanted to visit Portland, Oregon, not that that family exists. They don't. No one wants to visit Portland, Oregon, but let's say that you did find a family of proud boys in Tokyo Uh. that wanted to make the pilgrimage to Portland, Oregon. Then they have that service online. It's like Airbnb, but it's free. 
And the only cost is you have to let the family whose house you're staying in stay at your house. I'm not doing it. Okay. I would love to see Nikhil Harry with Philip Rivers. I think that'd be a massive upgrade. And I think that Philip Rivers is a better quarterback at this point in his career than Tom Brady. I also think that Nikhil Harry is a buy, but we're not far enough removed from Nikhil Harry being a top three pick in a lot of dynasty leagues. I don't believe I'll be getting the requisite discount I want on a player who flamed out so spectacularly in his rookie season that would facilitate a trade where I'd be able to acquire Nikhil Harry. I think he's going to be too expensive because whoever drafted him likely still has him and still feels strongly that he's a quality player. It's only been one season. It's not like Nikhil Harry dynasty owners woke up one morning and thought to themselves, oh, fuck, Nikhil Harry sucks. All those qualities that I appreciated in Nikhil Harry before I drafted him in my rookie draft, nah, bust. I no longer have those feelings for Nikhil Harry. Very few dynasty leaguers that have Nikhil Harry rostered have already lost that love and feeling. I don't believe it. You're trying hard not to show it. But baby, baby, I know it. You lost that love and feeling. Oh, that love and feeling. You lost that love and feeling. Now it's gone, gone, gone. Oh. So he's a fake by low. Nikhil Harry is the classic dynasty fake buy low. What about Cooper Cup? Is he a buy low? Absolutely. Got to get Cooper Cup, right? Love Cooper Cup next year. Cooper Cup has a profile that looks a lot more similar to Larry Fitzgerald. You could say, oh, well, Julio Jones could be Larry Fitzgerald, but the players that age well, that are productive out to age 35, they never, ever look like Julio Jones. Think about it. Randy Moss, Demarius Thomas, Vincent Jackson, Andre Johnson. Not only are they not productive at age 35, they're not even in the league. But smaller players, players that win with precision and guile and a work ethic, Larry Fitzgerald, Steve Smith, those particular wide receivers are able to play out to age 35. The, the next guy that's going to be productive out to age 35 is probably Julian Edelman. Would you agree? Hey, he's not slowing down. It's just uh, a question is how did the next uh, regime use him? If you have Nikhil Harry, why not trade for Julian Edelman? Because if Julian Edelman flames out in 2020, if that's his cliff year, then that necessarily helps Nikhil Harry. And if Nikhil Harry doesn't break out in 2020, that's most likely because Julian Edelman has maintained his level of production and his role as the slot alpha in that passing game. Classic age-based wide receiver teammate hedge. Classic. I just made up that term. I hadn't heard it before. I just made it up. But I said classic. Yeah. Ironically. Right. Right. Saw a trade recently. A.J. Brown for the 108 in Cooper Cup. Mm. Who won that trade, Nate? 2020 108. Um, I think the A.J. Brown owner did. You are correct. Thank you. I've been right a lot on this show today. Oh, you know your stuff. Thanks, man. Quality typically trumps quantity. 
But Randy Young on Twitter writes, I get the 2019 season's W4 overall in PPR with Cooper Cup plus another rookie like Lamb or Judy, etc. A rookie that can have as much upside as ABJ with that 108 pick? That makes Cup an absolute free roll in the deal. Give me Cup and the pick easy, says Randy Young. And he is every kind of wrong. Every statement he made is wrong. You can't get Lamar Judy with the 108. If one of them tanks the combine, maybe, maybe you can get one of them in Superflex. But you can't assume you get Lamb or Judy with the 108. Fuck out of here. Yeah. And just because Cup was a top five wide receiver two years ago doesn't mean he's ever going to be a top five wide receiver again. I don't think Cooper Cup is ever going to be a top five wide receiver again. Can you see that? You see Cooper Cup being a top five wide receiver as this Rams offense continues to disintegrate? No, I don't think so. That's No, it's not going to happen, right? And do you think any wide receiver in the 2020 draft is comparable to A.J. Brown after what we've seen from A.J. Brown in the NFL? Are they even comparable? Do you think anyone has as much upside as A.J. Brown in the 2020 draft? <laughs> If they did, it would be just as much. It wouldn't be any more. You know, like you're 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 looking at one of the best prospects. So you're not going to go any higher. The difference between performing well at the college level and performing well at the NFL level is a chasm. Just ask JJ Arcega Whiteside. Just ask Hakeem Butler. Just ask every bust receiver. That transition is hard, especially for a wide receiver. And A.J. Brown made it look easy. You put up those numbers at the NFL level, you have more upside than any wide receiver by a wide margin. So we like to read bad tweets on this show to help the audience identify bad logic when it presents itself. I mean, it's hard to believe that someone actually was able to string together that many wrong thoughts in a row. But Randy Young accomplished it. Randy Young exists. Randy Young is proof that extreme levels of incompetence exist in Dynasty Leagues. That Dynasty Leagues, in general, Dynasty Leaguers are the smartest, savviest among us. But Randy Young provides us with that glimmer of hope that your league, my league, anyone's league contains the ultimate sucker. Your league, my league, anyone's league contains the ultimate sucker. Let's go out on that. Okay. So I see you uh, squeezed Jeffrey Epstein in there. (laughs) 
That's going to be the question I ask every guest this year on the Mind of Mansion show. Did Jeffrey Epstein kill himself? I mean, I, I think we know. <laughs> Do we? I, I, I don't know. If it was for your life, Nate, for your life, for your life. Yes. You had to give the correct answer. Did Jeffrey Epstein kill himself? No. <laughs> no, he most certainly did not. It's a very weird situation, and I think we can conclude pretty safely that he did not. But they can't prove it yet. Also, uh, Jeffrey Epstein's like accountant. It's crazy, man. It's not good, Matt. Surveillance video taken from outside Jeffrey Epstein's jail cell on the day of his first apparent suicide attempt has been permanently deleted because video from the wrong floor was saved due to a clerical error. Federal prosecutors claim. I don't even get that. It's all digital now. It's not like it was a VHS tape, you know, like you record over something on accident. Like the, like you're the classic, I recorded the ball game over my wedding video, you know, that didn't happen here. This is all digital. It should be, should be accounted for. It's not. This is what happens when the foxes are tasked with investigating the foxes. <laughs> it's just, this is, uh, it's absurd. <laughs> Right? Yeah, it's absurd. <laughs> when law enforcement blunders, you just assume there's some, you know, internal inspector general, internal affairs organization to hold those in law enforcement accountable. But that's not always the case. When you have all the guns legally and all the power at your disposal and are tasked with administering justice, these things happen. I'm not saying it's acceptable, I'm just saying I'm not surprised. Probably shouldn't accept them. But here we are talking about fantasy football. I put it out to the audience on Patreon, asking them, patreon.com, patreon.com forward slash podfather. I can't believe the number of people who've listened to this show for multiple years and have not yet signed up on patreon.com forward slash podfather to support this entire enterprise. And if you're going to go ahead and support the podfather, you might as well turn right around and support Breakout Finder, patreon.com forward slash Breakout Finder. Mm. I'm looking forward to the support for the Podfather and the Breakout Finder, i.e. Nate Liss, on Patreon in 2020, skyrocketing. I expect that to happen this season. That would be incredible. There's a, a lot of humps being busted on both sides, so... I publicly released information today via email to our entire subscriber base committing to rolling out a Breakout Finder app. Oh my god. There's going to be an app in the App Store. There's going to be an app on Google Play to get the Breakout Finder. You're going to get it on your phone. You're going to be mobile with that app at all times. It's actually the number one priority initiative at Roto Underworld at this moment. Mm. It's exciting times because I know people are waiting for this. I get multiple messages a day, DMs, people asking about it. A day? That's a lot. A day. A day. I don't get multiple messages a day about anything. Well, we're entering draft season now. Now people are people are questioning, you know, the Alabama wide receiver situation. How will the teammates score factor in these players? I'm hearing apparent knocks on Jerry Judy. It's crazy. It's crazy. What? Oh yeah. We gotta get our we gotta get our boy on here. Hot take Fusu Vu. Cause uh I, I'm not sure that he uh is in lockstep with us on a lot of our uh prospect takes here. We need to get Fusu Vu on the show. Get on that. It's gonna happen, I'll do it. 
I'll lead us in. Are you going to go to the cookie thing? Is that what's happening here? <laughs> Is that just? I just I'm going to go earlier than cookie thing. Oh God. Okay. Um, you getting all the way down to this guy with this ridiculous combine rankings? No, no, we're not getting down there. No, we're not going to get down there. So are you going to Montgomery? We're going to maybe get to this Taysom Hill. We're going to maybe get to where do these guys go? Is that a typo? You? It says Mark Mack? Or am, I, or am I fucking totally just missing something here? Marlon Mack. Yeah, okay, that's what I thought. I'm like, all right, man, is it like a... Okay, figured that's what it was, but I'm asking the question. All right. Yeah, we're just going to improvise. I have nothing prepared. I just have these questions. I have nothing... I don't even really have takes on these things. I, I don't really care. It's January 9th, yeah. and the audience should just be happy that they hear our voices. <laughs> I've got I've got some good takes. I've got the, the Leonard Fournette Henry one will be fun because I don't know really where you stand. Well, I'm, based on our last conversation, I'm assuming the Derrick Henry thing. I don't want to uncork it too soon. Also, Matt, I do want to bring to your attention, thanks to uh, – uh, thanks to Tim Torch, uh, former enemy of the show, turned friend of the show. The frenemy. The frenemy that once upon a time, a bet between the podfather and the outraged Jew. Yeah, this doesn't count, though. This doesn't count. Oh, what? No, this is getting thrown out. My lawyers got that thrown out of court. Oh, my gosh. That's inadmissible. A tweet from Tim Torch is inadmissible. You have to remember it. If you don't remember it, it never happened. You can't have a tweet concierge remind you that we had a bet. That doesn't count. 1-800-Flowers reminds me about my anniversary. It's inadmissible. I told you. I'm, I'm not going to follow through on a bet that, that would have been lost in the sands of time had it not been for the one particular obsessed fanboy of the show named Tim Torch. I, I will say, look, Matt, I'm willing to settle out of court with you. We can, we can settle this. We don't have. I don't have to take a small claims court over this. I would like to construct uh, one tweet or one Matt Kelly tweet. I'll figure out what it is. It, it won't be that bad. And, and you fire it from your account, and we'll call it done. Just one tweet. That's fine. I can do that. That's fine. The stakes were strangely high. It was like three days. It was a lot. Of access to my Twitter account. And I was like, fuck no. <laughs> I don't know what I was thinking agreeing to those terms over Robert Foster, Zay Jones outproducing Robert Foster in the most pathetic way I've ever seen. Robert Foster had to completely faceplant in order to lose uh, to Zay Jones, uh, who airballed the entire season and yet still outproduced Robert Foster. Robert Foster was the most disappointing wide receiver of the entire season. Robert Foster was the stone-worst wide receiver in all of football. No one logged more games on the active roster with less targets than Robert Foster. And if we agree, and we do, that targets are a skill, on that depth chart, if you can't command a target in any given game, what the fuck is wrong with you, man? He was on the 53-man roster the entire season after leading the NFL in yards per reception in 2018. Do you know how many targets Robert Foster commanded? Robert Foster runs a 4-4-1. He would be the second best field stretcher on that team next to John Brown. You'd love to see Robert Foster and John Brown on opposite sides of the field breaking the zone and giving Cole Beasley maximum amount of room to operate underneath, but that's not what happened. They so distrusted Robert Foster, they refused to play him at all. 
and he commanded less than 20 targets on the season. Mm. He commanded right around one target per game, and he's the lowest target share qualifier in the NFL. He ranks 156 out of 156 wide receivers with a 6% target share. Mm. That's a goddamn riddle how that happens after you lead the league in yards per reception the year prior. Fuck me. And the bet, what's funny enough, the bet was based on per game average. And I think he ended up with like a 1.2. And here was the thing. I had to go do the math because when Tim Torch posted this, I wasn't really sure who won initially. I went to look at Zay Jones and he had he had a terrible year. I mean, there was no production there either. And I was like, awesome. I was like, oh, I won. And then I read the words that it was per game. And I was like, oh, fuck. So I went and did the math and Zay Jones... Only averaged about 3.2, so this was not a blowout by any means. Awful. Awful. They're both awful. They both should be put in a capsule and sent into outer space with a beacon just letting the aliens know that the NFL does not want these players. <laughs> put J.J. Arcega-Whiteside in there, too. I mean, Zay Jones getting 46 targets completely blows Robert Foster's target total out of the water. It does. It's embarrassing. Robert Foster was the worst receiver in the NFL, the stone worst, because you could take any other player and they commanded a higher target share and oftentimes competing with better receivers. John Brown's the best receiver in that passing game. That's who you're competing with. John Brown, Cole Beasley, and Isaiah McKenzie. Mm. McKenzie. He couldn't even beat the McKenzie lad. <laughs> God. I'm watching Outlander. You watch Outlander? <laughs> I don't. Oh, my wife loves Outlander. My wife typically does not like period dramas because she doesn't like any show where people don't shower on a regular basis. So that knocks out pretty much all the period dramas, Lord of the Rings, fantasy, war drama. It's all out. It's gone. Okay. I've talked about Fury on this show, how much I love Fury. Hates it. Why? Because the guys in the tank are just too dirty. <laughs> but she likes Outlander, even though it's set in the early 1700s, because the main character, the male lead, is just so dreamy. Mm. And they show him with his shirt off all the time. Mm. And they show him giving oral sex to women. Mm. So there's three or four oral sex scenes where men are giving oral sex to women, and someone somewhere figured out. Mm-hmm. That's the best way to get women hooked on a show. Interesting. Little munch munch. <laughs> oh my god. Like, yo, I guess. Uh, you know, I don't know what to say to that. I actually I'm at a loss of words after that. So the fellas love the sword play, and the women love the the uh El bean flick. <laughs> I was searching for the right term. I was never at any point considering going bean flick but yes 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 nate yes that's what gets the women hooked uh, it's difficult for men and women to agree on a television show to binge that venn diagram is razor thin but we found one in outlander we are packing this show with mansion lifestyle tips and advice just a tip just to see how it feels
You're sitting there, you're wondering, do I have food on my face? Am I eating? Am I talking too much? Are they talking enough? Am I interested? I'm not really interested. Should I play like I'm interested, but I'm not that interested? But I think she might be interested, but do I want to be interested? But now she's not interested. So now all of a sudden I'm getting, I'm starting to get interested. And when am I supposed to kiss her? Do I have to wait for the door? Because then it's awkward. It's like, well, good night. Do you do like the ass out hug? Where you like you hug each other like this and the ass sticks out because you're trying not to get too close. You just go right in and kiss him on the lips. So don't kiss him at all. It's very difficult trying to read the situation. And all the while you're just really wondering, are we gonna get hopped up enough to make some bad decisions? And perhaps play a little game called just the tip. Just for a second, just to see how it feels. Or ouch ouch, you're on my hair. Okay. 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 Alright, you wanna you wanna start this thing? We'll start the show, but I have more. I have multiple lifestyle hacks to give on air on the actual show, not just the outtakes. Fire us up, Nate. Fire the show up. All right. I almost forgot how to do this. Here we go. It's only been a couple What's weeks. up? Right in the middle of it. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Sonic Truth Dynasty podcast. You can find me elsewhere at an outraged you. I, hey, 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 buddy. Hey, hey, hey. I gotta, I'm sorry to interrupt you. You cut out there. Really? You've been a little bit choppy tonight. Dude, I'm lying in everywhere. You feeling good? Are you fucking with me right now? Is this like calling a timeout when the guy's kicking a field goal? No, I'm serious. How do I sound? Am I choppy? It, initially, you did sound a hair choppy, but here, let's look. Yeah, if you want to check your speed, go to speedtest.net. Another lifestyle hack. Let's see what we've got here. Finding optimal server. Clicking go. And... Don't lie down. Wow, that's fucked up. I'm lying in. I'm getting 29. That's garbage. You're very choppy. Jeez, man, I'm only getting 21 megabytes per second. Yours is even worse than mine is. Yeah, we, we both have awful connections. That's my download. You've been better. You've been better. For you to get super choppy right when you were doing the introduction, that's just, that can't happen. All right. Don't worry. I'm back. Randy Young provides us with that glimmer of hope that your league, my league, anyone's league contains the ultimate sucker. All these players are declaring. Randy Young actually alluded to this in the worst possible way. <laughs> but the fact is the 107, 108, and 109 are now a lot more valuable than they typically are. Yeah, oh yeah. Because of the depth of talent of the skill position groups in this class. So you have to adjust your assumptions. Like the, the 108 in 2019 is vastly different than the 108 in 2020. This year, it's almost twice as valuable. Yeah. Yep. Right? A player of Miles Sanders and Nikhil Harry's caliber is going to be available at the 108, 109. And they were long gone in 2019. Yeah, it's it's going to be incredible. I mean, I have I have a couple of rookie picks here and there. I've got a lot of seconds. Seconds were just throw-ins for a long time. So I was just stuffing them in the bag. I was thinking about it. I have the 108 and 109 in a bunch of leagues, and I feel great about it. I'm like, that's not yeah. that far away from a 101. Yeah, it's a good pick to have. Yeah, because there's so many high-pedigree prospects with premium prospect profiles all the way out to pick 110, 111. Even if you won your league and you have the 112, you're happy that this was the year you won because you get a rookie pick in 2020 that not that 2019 was the year you won because then you get a rookie pick in 2020 that's actually going to be a high-quality player. Think about the player you're going to get at the 112. It could be Cam Akers. It could be T. Higgins. Yeah, yeah. I know, it's crazy. Guys are getting pushed so far back. The idea that Chuba Hubbard would be available outside the top five, that Jerry Judy's going to fall outside the top five. 
if Lamb shreds the combine and the top running backs deliver in the explosion drills in particular, think about it. Yeah. Jerry Judy's going to be available. Uh, it's so crazy. That was such a good draft class. Yeah, ETN's in there. and Yeah, ETN's going to be there. Sure, absolutely. Love to have ETN there. When you start stacking it up, you're like, oh my God. The players available in the back half of the first round are exceptional. So anyone that traded their 2020 first rounder thinking it was going to be just a late first because their team was loaded and they were gunning for a championship, and they traded a late 2021st for a veteran to help get them over the top, my guess is if they played it back, that that veteran probably wasn't the difference and they'd much rather have that pick. 100%. Yeah. The wrong year to trade a late first round pick. My God. <laughs> The great thing about the 101 this year is not that you have the best player. Let's say it's DeAndre Swift. That's the early assumption. You also get the 113 in a lot of leagues. Yeah. Who could also be an elite player. Yeah, I, I made a, a couple trades in a few leagues. I ended up with the 201, the 203, the 205, and the 206. Like, I've got... Wait, wait, wait. You have all of those picks in a single league? Yeah, yeah. Oh, my... Oh my, was that the league where you traded Julio Jones? Did, did you get a, a second round pick in that exchange? Yeah, I got two seconds. That's the deal where I got Sutton and A.J. Brown and two seconds. That's how you do it. That's how you do it. A.J. hadn't taken off yet. I just ejaculated. Okay. Okay. Do you know the sound I make when I ejaculate? Like the sound of like a... Oh, okay. It's not what I expected. That's got to be weird for your wife. All done. I don't really care. It's January 9th, and the audience should just be happy that they hear our voices. Coming, Lingus. Ill bean flick. Ill bean flick. Bean flick. I was never at any point considering going bean flick. Oh, God. Okay. Uh, um. Little munch munch. Whoa, 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 whoa. First American soldier killed in World War One. Please. 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 Oh, God. Okay. Um. Your first opportunity to provide this audience with actionable information in 2020, and you airball. You airball, I was open to it. I challenged you at first. I said, no, 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 technology. No, 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 no. And then, oh, you piqued my interest because you draw and then you just show everybody what you drew on the screen and then they guess. And it's kind of this hybrid technology board game with the drawing. I love the drawing games. Not as much as Balderdash, but I like the drawing games as well. So you had me. It was a merger of Pictionary and Balderdash. You had me intrigued. And then you didn't know the name of the goddamn game. So none of our listeners can go out and download it and play with their family. Thanks, Nate. Sorry, guys. God, I'm so sorry. And Kyle Shanahan thinks that what they're doing doesn't fucking matter. And I love it. Oh, God. Okay. Because okay. um, Dante Pettis was a sloppy route runner. I, I love myself a good cookie, Matt. There's less cooks in the kitchen, literally, because it won't be some D-list bubblehead who wins. It'll be just another one of these douche-faced white guys with perpetually disappointed parents. A crispy chocolate chip cookie would be a pretty big fail. 
He's the least. Hence, least mode. Then the combine happened, and he faded. And then the draft happened, and he faded more. Yep. Anything else, Nate? We're doing a show where people expect us to talk and provide more than one-word answers. Yep. But if you still have Julio Jones on your roster at this point, right now, January 12th, 2020, you're a sucker. Yep. If it were for my life, I would not want to speculate on where Marlon Mack is going to be at the end of next season. I have no fucking idea. I am not giving him, I never gave him a shot, let alone a damn mulligan, Mr. Kelly. Yay, we beat the casino at their own game. We are heroes. I've been right a lot on this show today. Don't talk about the paywall. Everybody that's listening should be a subscriber already. And if they're not, and they're listening to the show on January 12th, 2020, then they should be ashamed of themselves. Fuck the paywall. Oh, I didn't I didn't say anything. What are you talking about? What's going on here? This is one of the biggest fantasy football shows on the internet. Not just Dynasty. Across the board. We're by far and away the biggest Dynasty show. That's not even a question. We're now one of the biggest fantasy shows, period. What are you talking about? What's going on here? Classic age-based wide receiver teammate hedge. Classic. I just made up that term. What are you talking about? What's going on here? We rank... 340 dynasty assets on playerprofiler.com. They are current and they are the best. That's what you call a heat check. You made two or three baskets in a row. You throw one more up. No. Whoa. Oh, fuck. Nikhil Harry sucks. I'm just shooting shots right now, Matt. I'm sorry. Something's wrong with Brandon Cooks. We still love Alvin Kamara, Alvin Kamara, Alvin Kamara. Can you make a resolution to pronounce his name correctly in 2020? Nope. A family of proud boys in Tokyo that wanted to make the pilgrimage to Portland, Oregon. Uh, you're insane. Does that include his time at Central Kentucky or wherever the fuck he went to school? It's all the same to me. Kentucky's all, it's just one big melting pot. Because you hate Tyler Higby. What I'm trying to tell you is if you'd let me get a word in edgewise, for Christ's sakes, Christ's sakes, Christ's sakes. Wide receiver four. Watkins is not a bust, though. That is the hottest take in the history of the Sonic Truth pod. That Sammy Watkins is not a bust? <laughs> in what world? You, my face is melting off. I need to put like a, a bowl under my face to catch the skin. You're insane. I hate tight end talk. I want to hit you with a fact. You're being disingenuous. Shame on you. Allen Robinson is the solution to that riddle. And A.J. Brown made it look easy. Uh, you're insane. He will not be a Patriot this coming season. Yep. So the fellas love the sword play, and the women love the, the, uh, Ill bean flick.
Do you know the sound I make when I ejaculate? Like the sound of like a... Oh, okay. It's not what I expected. That's got to be weird for your wife. All done.